0: Hi, and welcome to Becoming Less, an Edmontonian journey to less waste, less impact, less consumption, and less clutter. Becoming Less is brought to you by Waste Free Edmonton, and together we're dedicated to waste reduction efforts, big and small. I'm Biz, and today I'm here with Leslie. Hi, Leslie, how you doing? Hi, good, thanks. How are you? Good. And Leslie is going to talk about just where she's at and her journey in becoming less and wherever else the conversation takes us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I feel like this is a topic that I can talk about for days and (laughs) endlessly. And um, not all of my listeners are always as engaged as I am. So I feel like in this circumstance, (laughs) I don't know whether or not people are into it or not. So I can just, you know, go without stopping. Um, But yeah, it's it's kind of just I wanted to bring up my journey and where we're at in becoming less as a family. Um, I am a mother of a four-year-old girl, and I have a husband and a dog. And so we live here in Edmonton, and it's kind of been a journey we've been on for years and years and years. And as a lot of listeners can probably relate, it started off quite small with just small substitutions and switches. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And as I get older and quote unquote wiser, um, <laughs> I I find that I'm just picking up all sorts of things along the way, especially since the onset of the pandemic. And yeah, it's been really fun and really fulfilling, to be honest.
0: Lovely. So do you remember like a a switch that happened? Was there a moment or like a realization, something that kind of struck you that made you want to start on this journey?
1: Yeah, honestly, um, it wasn't a specific moment. But I come from a family of five. And my mom has always had a deep love for shopping. (laughs) And so um, she has always been one who just, you know, collects lots of things. And so I grew up in a household of lots of stuff, you know, the cupboards were always jam-packed and she was always you know trying to declutter, but it was this huge task for her and and I just found as I got older I wanted to push back against that because it caused me a lot of anxiety to like just yeah. see the collection of all the things in your childhood home. And so it's been something that I've cared about from a young age just from the standpoint of just not being like my parents (laughs) and (laughs) I think a lot of people can relate to that as well because there's lots of things our parents do that we as adults were like oh I can never be like that I can never do that so this is one of the positive things I think that's come from that in that I've you know now that I have my own home I'm like okay how can we not be like that how can we as you know a couple and then its journey into parenthood how can we not have so much stuff that just kind of smothers you It really just started as, you know, when my husband and I moved in together eons ago, we said, okay, everything we bring into the house has to have a a spot, it has to go somewhere, it can't just pile up. And so we've tried to live that way. I mean, we're certainly not perfect, but that's kind of the beginning of the journey. And then, like I said, I have a deep hate for plastic. (laughs) And I think you can probably relate as well. But um, it was really just how can we have less plastic in our home after we stopped accumulating as much stuff in our home? Okay, now how can we make these switches to be more environmentally friendly and something that's not not just going to end up in the landfill. And Mm so, for example, we switched to shampoo and conditioner bars years ago, and I'll never go back. I've tried a variety of different brands. And yeah, kind of, I'm still Trying to find that perfect one. But, anyways, we enjoy that. And then also, especially through the pandemic, I started making a lot of stuff myself. And so I delved into the world of soap making, which is really fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So, making bar soap for, you know, hands and shower and dishwashing blocks for the side of the sink and that sort of thing. So, that's really nice. And lotion. I've gotten into making that myself, which is not actually hard at all. So I just feel like I've been looking around and thinking, you know, oh, I could buy that or I could learn a new skill and figure out how to make it myself. So that kind of delves into the more creative side of my life that brings me a lot of joy is just the act of making things.
0: For sure. And it's amazing how you come across certain things and you're like, oh, this actually isn't that hard. Why haven't I been doing this myself this whole time? You're thinking you're saving yourself so much time and money by buying it. And then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think with making things, there are, there are things that you save
1: money. Like, you know, for anything, there's an, a bit of an initial investment to buy the ingredients or the, the things that go tools. into the make, the tools. Yeah. But then over time, the longer you do it, the more there is the cost saving. So, for example, soap. There's quite an initial investment in terms of all the different oils and fats that you need to buy, but then kind of over time I can make a nice artisan bar of soap that would otherwise cost eight to ten dollars. So that's a perk. but specifically when it comes to like sewing clothes or or quilting, which I know you enjoy doing as well, there's definitely not a cost savings
0: there. No, which is un- which is unfortunate and really goes to show. The error of the process, really. It shouldn't cost more to make it yourself because you should be paying for all of the steps leading up to it being made along the way. But somehow that doesn't happen.
1: 100%. And I think that gets into a whole other topic that I think could be a podcast in and of itself if it hasn't been already, but just the concept of fast fashion, right? And so I try to be mindful of that when I'm making a garment for myself. Uh, In that, you know, there's already billions upon billions of garments already out in the world. So if I'm going to make myself something, I want to really love it and have it be a staple that I'm going to wear all the time and not something that can only be worn a few times in very specific circumstances. So something really a versatile piece. And also, I mean, I think too... I balance that with the fact that it's something that brings me a lot of joy and it's a skill and hobby that I love. So kind of finding that middle ground between all these hobbies that I love doing and have all this equipment to do without the thought of over making so that I just end up with a house full of stuff that I've made, but no real purpose for it.
0: No, I have that too, where I'm like, I want to make things, but why am I making it? And if it doesn't have... A purpose, I have a hard time enjoying the process because I get this, like, I know I'm going to be stuck with this at the end feeling as I'm working on it. And yeah, it bothers me a lot.
1: (laughs) 100%. It's a very slippery slope, though. (laughs) Because once you find something that you're really passionate about, you're like, I just want to do this in all of my free time. But that's where um, I really like gifting the stuff that I make or swapping the Mm -hmm. stuff that I make. Mm -hmm. And so for example, I have a a good friend who started making bags. And so she showed me this like beautiful fanny pack that she made um, with like rifle paper co floral fabric. And I was just like, oh, I just like lusted after it. It was so nice. And so we set up a trade where, you know, she has that particular skill set and the materials to do that. And in exchange, I gave her some homemade yogurt and a bar of soap and a little jar of lotion. And we were both super pumped about that swap. And it was both some things that we needed and, you know, more or less consumables on my giving end. So yeah, I, I like that concept as well.
0: The best trades are when you both feel like you're getting the better end of the deal. 100%. Hundred yeah. percent.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I felt like an imposter because I was like, oh, here you're giving me this beautiful bag and like, what do I have but these meager like <laughs> home goods that I've created in my house? And, but she was like, no, I'm super jacked about that. So I think I still owe her a loaf of sour bread, actually, because I still feel like I got the better end of the deal. How do
0: I get you to owe me a loaf of sourdough bread? How does? Oh, this- we could <laughs> definitely come up with... I mean, that's the thing. You give me any excuse to bake bread. It's
1: like one of my many passions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. Or honestly, I'll just bake you one for free. I, I tend to just bake them. And then I show up at my my friends
0: or my neighbors. I'm like, would you like a loaf of bread? They're like, um, yeah. Listeners can't see, but I'm tenting my fingers menacingly right now. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, it like I said, it's a slippery slope. But I, I think when it comes to things that you're passionate about, and you enjoy, it's so fulfilling. And I'm finally at this point in my parenthood journey where my daughter's four, and she's super independent now. And so it's not like I'm spending every waking moment parenting or sleeping or like just right. trying to <laughs> yeah. survive. Like I'm finally <laughs> at the point where I'm not just like doggy paddling to keep my head above water. So mm-hmm. I've been able to take up all these things and and also, you know, from the the stance of just consuming less because it's something that I'm able to make and be self more self-sufficient doing. So that's always a
0: perk. So circling back to your beginning journey here and how you and your husband decided that when you were moving together, you weren't going to collect a bunch of stuff and everything needed to have a home. Would you consider yourselves minimalists? I
1: have always strived to be that way. Uh, I'm certainly not perfect. Like, I mean, you can't see my office right now, but I would not say this is a particularly minimalist space. So we're doing our best. Um, It's something that we're mindful of and conscious of, but it's a never-ending uphill battle, especially with a kid and all the things that they bring along into the home. And so it's something we strive for, but yeah, we're not perfect.
0: I think minimalism, much like environmentally friendly lifestyles or zero-waste lifestyles, they're never going to be perfect. So. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I would consider myself a minimalist, but you can see my sewing room behind me. So <laughs> 100%. And I, I mean, it's it's a mindset,
1: right? It's something that you're always striving to be better in. And I think we can all strive to be better in various aspects of our life. And so all we can do is try and try to inspire others and, you know, pick away at it and try not to have an all or nothing mentality, right? And so like you said, and like I said, you can't be perfect and you don't want to aim for perfection because it's impossible. It's not achievable. And so to have this all or nothing mentality behind minimalism and being more eco-conscious is just gonna get in the way of you actually making progress because you're gonna mm-hmm. get down on yourself. You're gonna get anxious about all these areas that you're not, you know, doing your best in, and then you might burn give out. up or you burn out, right? And so I think it's just taking it day by day and doing your best and trying to to understand that there's always going to be this gray zone and there's going to be parts of your life where you're like, Ugh, yeah, um, one day that would be a goal of mine. But right now, in this stage of my life or this chapter of my life, this is where I'm going to focus my time and energy. So, for example, I've always thought that I had a pretty minimal closet. Like it's not, it's never been bursting at the seams. I'm like, okay, I, I don't have that much clothing, but. I decided a few weeks ago that I was going to do like a spring closet purge because one of the things that I'm starting to think more about is a more kind of capsule wardrobe, which mm-hmm. I, I'm nowhere near there yet, but I just kind of like the concept. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to purge all these clothes. There's so many things in here that I haven't worn in a long time. I work part-time from home now for my job and then part-time on site. So I've, I've, I've been able to scale down kind of my business attire, which is really nice. But I'm like, okay, I need to empty out some of my closet, and turns out I had so much stuff. Yeah, and it was kind of eye opening. Like, holy, I need to do better in this area. So I was able to gift uh, two big boxes to people who um, were in need of clothes. So that felt good, and it minimized my closet. It made me feel fresh and inspired, and you know, what 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 a great way to feel
0: in the springtime. And you were able to gift those directly to people.
1: Yeah. So I looked around and I thought around. At first, I put it on Facebook Marketplace. I was like, oh, maybe I'll make some money. And then that really didn't go anywhere because people don't want to buy used clothes on Facebook Marketplace, so it seems. Um <laughs> And then I actually heard about uh, a family who was looking for... They, they had set up a GoFundMe for a Ukrainian mother and daughter who they brought over. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but Long story short, it was this mother and daughter who are starting fresh here in Canada and they needed clothes and all sorts of goods. And so I reached out to this friend and was like, do you think they would want my clothes? They're in great condition. They're they're nice. They're still quote unquote trendy. I don't even know what trendy is anymore, but <laughs> I think they're still good. I think there are things people would want. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, bring them over. And so I brought over these boxes and then they're going to try them on and whatever they don't want, I'm going to take back. And then I'm thinking of either giving them to blenders or Mm -hmm. giving them to the Bissell Center because they have a community closet, which I think is really awesome for Edmontonians in need. And, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully they get used in that sense. And
0: yeah, it's always best if you can find a direct person to give them to because thrift stores, yeah, not uh, not a great place to take your clothes, actually. Yeah, so. 100%. <laughs> and you kind
1: of opened my eyes to that in one of your podcasts, because it wasn't something that I had thought too hard about. And I've... Um totally dropped things off at various thrift stores over the years. And it's this great sense for people that, okay, it's out of sight, out of mind, I've gotten rid of it, it's out of my home, la di da, I feel so good. But then that's where the thought process stops. So I think it's something that I'd encourage everyone to do. And what you've encouraged people to do is think, okay, once you drop it off at that thrift store or that donation center, what's actually going to happen to it? And looking into the background of Mm -hmm. that particular organization to find out Okay, what are they going to do if it doesn't sell? What are they going to do if they can't get rid of it? Where does it go? And so I think you had said Goodwill was one that you didn't mind too much. Is that right?
0: From talking to Sarah from Blenders. We love Blenders. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think Goodwill also tends to export extra stuff. The better thing I find about Goodwill is at least they try to incorporate better humanitarianism within their local community through providing jobs for people who may otherwise have difficulty finding jobs. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, they are at least at least a little bit community minded, but their clothing still ends up, I, I believe, they're not transparent, which is where you start wondering what's going mm-hmm. on. I think Value Village is a little bit more exposed in that. Yes, they definitely they keep their stuff for like six to eight weeks or whatever their little turnaround is. And anything after that point just gets exported to other countries who don't really want our stuff either. But
1: 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it really just comes down to, you know, using what you have and being mindful of the things that you're buying and all of the, the things you can Do with that article of clothing in terms of like the variety of outfits you can use it for, Mm -hmm. and buying it with the intent of wearing it again and again and again, and just using what you have, using what you have. Because at the end of the day, when you don't want it anymore, where is it going?
0: I do the capsule wardrobe thing. So, particularly with work, which is where it is easiest to do that because I'm in the same situation day after day after day. So, I have a series of shirts and pants that I have decided is a good pair of pants. And that's what I wear. And then I just rotate through the shirts throughout the week. I think I've got two weeks worth of shirts to get washed and right. So you have just that amount. And I don't wonder what I'm going to wear in the morning because it's just whatever's next in line, whatever's next in line.
1: Exactly. And I think you mentioned once before, if you've got a closet that's so full, you then consequently have nothing to wear and that's when you're standing in front of your closet being like I don't know what to wear today I
0: have nothing when it's like actually your closet is bursting and this seems you have a lot it's probably not organized so you don't know where anything is and you're like do I have anything that matches this I don't even know because yeah if you just simplicity just is the best thing (laughs) yeah
1: it's so liberating (laughs) it's so freeing and liberating to just have less stuff and less clutter. And mm-hmm. it feels really good. So I mean, on the topic of capsule wardrobes, do you have any resources that you particularly liked when you were honing in on that?
0: No, I think I just realized what it is that I do wear. My, my closet is tank tops, t shirts, long sleeve shirts, other shirts. So those are usually like, the fancier things. And I honestly have like, four or five items in that section. Then I've got sweaters and hoodies and dresses and skirts, which is mm-hmm. again, very, very small section in mm-hmm. my, my particular, like, cause I don't, I don't wear dresses and skirts very often. So I have a couple that I like if I need to go out somewhere that requires that kind of garb. Yep. <laughs> but the the section that's the biggest is my work section because that's. So that's the t-shirts where you spend
1: the majority of your life. <laughs>
0: that's right. And so then I've got a few casual things and that's in the, the other tops section. And even in my tank tops, like I realized I tend to skip over the spaghetti strap style ones and go for the racerback. So I just got rid of all of the spaghetti strap ones.
1: You probably don't miss them at all. <laughs> and I
0: don't miss them because I always skipped over them because yeah. I always do like I always when I put them away, they go on the left and then I try to pick from the right. And then if I tend to skip over the same thing over and over again, why is it there?
1: Mm-hmm. That's so, genius. Yeah. I think my daughter could take a page out of your buck. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everything she wears is a, ha- a hand-me-down or secondhand, which mm-hmm. is really great because holy man, there's so much used kids clothes out there that you can get from friends or family or buy and sell that sort of thing. And so we've really not had to buy her hardly any new clothes. And, and if, if we need something, it's often an opportunity for someone to gift us something because, you know, when you have a kid, everyone's like, what can I get them for their birthday? What do they need for Christmas? And I at least appreciate that question because then yes. I don't always end up with stuff that we don't want or don't use or yes. that clutters up the house, which I say that with a big asterisk because we certainly are the receiver of lots of things that we don't want or need. But particularly if, if that question is asked, what do they want or need? And it's like, oh, you know what? I looked in our next size up bin and we don't have a whole lot of long sleeve shirts and heading into fall or whatever. Mm -hmm. So as for an example, and then um, my neighbor um, has a huge bin of shoes for her daughter of various sizes that she's collected and and that were hand me down and buy and sell. And so we go to her store, quote unquote, and (laughs) pick out new shoes, which is like one of my daughter's favorite activities. But if you're not careful in terms of the things you receive, you end up with and excess. And so her closet, she, she has more clothes than I do, probably just in her closet, but she always goes back to the same items. Mm-hmm. So even though I think, you know, we need to have this many of long sleeve shirts in case you get one dirty, you know, she's not going to wear them anyways, she'll refuse. And then it'll be this big power struggle that's not worth my time or energy. And so yeah, you just got to get rid of it.
0: Yeah. And so that's why I like my system of the left to right, because I like physically see that I keep skipping over this one. And I'm like, well, why is it here? It goes, it's gone now. And I don't take in a lot. People know that I'm quite happy to get used things. So I often get gifted, like, oh, I've got some clothes. I'm getting rid of. Do any of these fit you? And I'm like, okay. And then I kind of go through and go, you know what? My blah, blah, blah is starting to get worn out. Maybe that's time for that one to go and get replaced by this one. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't go shopping. (laughs) I I don't either. And I I, I
1: never have been one who likes shopping very much. Like going to a a store and like getting clothes has always been very daunting to me. And I mean, if there's something I specifically need or if there's something that jumps out at me that's really awesome, then then that can be enjoyable. But the, the act of going to a store, especially during the pandemic, I just don't do. Yeah. And so when someone is purging their closet or I've done clothing swaps with friends before, that's really fun. And so I really, really enjoy that. And then I feel good that it's not something that I had to buy and it's something that's getting an extension of its life.
0: Yeah. And if I find something that I like, because usually the only thing that I really go shopping for is like bra underwear socks. Like those are the things that I buy new. And so if I find one of those things, so most recently I found a bra that I like, which pretty much all of the bra wearers listening to this podcast can probably say Magic bra, go buy 10 of them. <laughs> right? How have I not
1: heard about the magic bra?
0: <laughs> no, Tell no, no. me more. So the magic bra in my case is girlfriend collective.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: that's It's not called the magic bra. No, it's not called the magic <laughs> bra. It's just my <laughs> magic bra. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, and my whatever works for me might not work for someone else, right? Yeah. I am, I, I think blessed in that. I don't have very large top half. Right, bosoms. uh, Right, I'm not. I'm not (laughs) well endowed in that area. I'm very small, and so it's actually really hard to find a bra because they're all they're all too big.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or they go up and cut into your armpits.
0: Yeah, and so like the wire is completely unnecessary. But if you don't have the wire, then it ends up just slipping up because there's nothing there to hold it down and.
1: Yeah, it's a struggle. We
0: women, we don't have it easy. <laughs> so I finally found one that I really, really like. My my thing is I started realizing that like sports bras just kind of were more comfortable and fit me better. Yeah. But I didn't like the like squeezing them over my shoulders type. Yeah. So I wanted a sports bra style that still did up in the back. Mm-hmm. And I found one and it's comfortable and I like it. And it's Girlfriend Collective is, is very eco-conscious as well in their manufacturing. So I was like, win, win, win. Yay. So now I have to go and buy like 10 of them so that I have them for life.
1: Yeah, you made me think of my What now I'm going to call my magic bra, which is, (laughs) yeah, it's one from, I believe I got it from Everlane, which I like kind of what that company stands for as well. And it's, it's like a sports bra, it's like really stretchy, it slips over your head and it doesn't do up in the back, but it's not so constricting that you like break your shoulders trying to take it off. Yeah. And so it's just super, super cozy. And I, I, Also don't think I'm particularly well endowed in the chestal region. So it has just enough support (laughs) that I don't feel like...
0: The thing is, I like them to be tight. That was the problem I found with with sports bras is like, I want them snug, but I don't want to dislocate my shoulder getting it on and off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Bras and underwear. I mean, I think once you find the ones you like you don't deviate and actually my friend has a pattern for sewing underwear and I'm really curious to give that a go because me too as a sewer like you you end up with small scraps of fabric and you're like oh my gosh this isn't enough to make a project like what do I do with this and so as a new sewer myself within the last couple years I don't always know what to do with this knit fabric that's like nice quality. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my hand at that and we'll see how it goes, but it could end up being a fail.
0: I have also thought about trying that myself because I feel like if I don't like it, I can tweak it and then make this next one a little different like I did with my face masks. That's what I did when, when we had, at the beginning of the pandemic, like I made myself a mask. I'm like, okay, this one's sitting too low. So I made it go higher. Oh, now it's like blocking into my eyes. Okay. So yeah. now I need to like make that curve a little bit deeper. And I'm like, oh my God, this fits me perfectly. I made like eight of them. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, and when it comes to something that you can't try on and return per se, you never, you don't know. And so you're investing in like, say, say finding an ethical company is important to you and you buy a few pairs of that underwear and you're paying, you know, 20 plus dollars for a pair, if they don't fit you, you're stuck with it. Yes. So this is kind of the best of both worlds because it scratches that sewing itch that I have, but also I get something good out of it that is actually super useful and that you need lots of (laughs)
0: because you wear a new pair every day. Okay. (laughs) This is the challenge. We're going to make ourselves some underwear.
1: Sweet. And then we'll get back together. We'll (laughs) We'll compare notes
0: and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: we'll use our scrap fabric so we don't have to really like pay more to make them.
0: I think I do actually have, I have a lot of a purple. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not a garment sewer, but somehow I end up because I'm I'm a scrap quilter, which by the way, that's how I got into quilting is because To me, quilting was taking scrap pieces of fabric and making something beautiful out of them. And so people tend to give me fabric because they're like, oh, this is too small for me to do anything with. Here's my scraps. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is like five inches. That's so much fabric. I can cut this into like six pieces.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually how I got into quilting, too. The exact same way I asked my friends for their scraps. And then that's how I learned how to use a sewing machine, Just, just sewing the scraps together. So
0: what kind of sewing machine do you have?
1: I have a Janome 3160 QOV. It was gifted to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Christmas, actually. So it's fairly new. Pulse of
0: Valor. The, so it's yep. red and white. Yep. I it know is. it.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I love it. It hates knit fabric, though. And so for sewing um, like a flimsy cotton or bamboo, it doesn't like that. And so I have since, with some birthday money, purchased a new-to-me serger for those kinds of projects. And Very so nice. I have no idea how to use it.
0: <laughs> My friend is going to come over and teach okay, me. Okay, but... I was going to say, you might know someone who could probably show you how to do that. But yeah.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Anyways, so yeah, I, I, that's how I learned how to use a sewing machine because this is not a skill that I grow up, grew up doing. In fact, mm-hmm. in grade seven, when all the girls chose home as their option. My mom said, you will not be taking home I know how to cook. I know how to sew. I'll teach you how to do all that myself. You don't need to take a course in school. So I ended up having to go into computers, which anyways, we won't get into that. It wasn't my (laughs) favorite. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so anyways, over over the years, it's something I ended up teaching myself. And so the last couple of years sewing, I was like, hey, I don't want to use Ziploc bags anymore. So I'm going to sew my own like Velcro bags. And so that's kind of how that evolved and then scrap quilting to use up fabric that other people don't want anymore. And and then it really just snowballed and exploded from there. Very nice.
0: Okay, so what has been an eco challenge for you lately?
1: That's a really good question. An eco challenge for me lately, I feel like it's the area of gifting. And I feel like as someone who doesn't really need or want anything. How do you have birthdays and Christmas without sounding like a snob, like, I don't want that. I don't want this. Like, don't give me this. Because it puts people on edge. You know, a lot of people, their love language is gifts. And so they love gifting and they love receiving gifts Mm -hmm. in exchange. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, Uh, you don't need anything. And like, you can't even tell me what it is that you want that you would find useful. And so for me to go out and buy something for you that I know is just going to add to your collection of stuff gives me anxiety. And then when you give me stuff that I don't necessarily need or want. What do I then do with that stuff? And so there's that fine line between, well, you can't reject it at that point because that's rude. <laughs> so you accept it. But then right. it's like, now, now what do I do with it? What is the length of time that I have to keep this before I can donate it or <laughs> give it to someone else? <laughs>
0: oh, or gosh. <laughs> or like,
1: would this be okay to regift to somebody else? Because I know so-and-so who would really love this. And mm-hmm. so really struggle with that because I'm, of course, very grateful when people think of me and go out of their way to, Mm -hmm. to buy me something. Don't get me wrong. But if it's something that I don't particularly have a use for, then it can sometimes be a burden. Right. And so I think Christmas is a really tough time because my daughter's birthday is beginning of December and then Christmas is end of December. And so that tends to be a month we accumulate a lot of stuff. And we've tried asking family members, you know, maybe keep it to this many gifts for Audrey. Like maybe we can just stick to three instead of 15 right? because we've got very generous, loving grandparents Mm -hmm. to Audrey. Mm -hmm. But there's always that line, right? Like between stuff that is actually really useful for her that will last years stand the test of time. But when it comes to kids stuff, there isn't very many things that stand the test of time. Let's be real. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I guess that's, that's where I really struggle right now.
0: Okay. What I've found useful in that area is a, giving people options. So instead of saying don't buy, say buy us xyz. So for me, I remember a couple of years ago I asked everybody who said anything about gifts to get me bars of soap because it's something that I use. Yeah. a lot and and throughout the the what felt like millions of bars of soap that I got, they lasted me until July, right? Like awesome. I <laughs> It wasn't it wasn't too much and it felt like a lot and Bars of soap was something that I found was, I mean, it doesn't really apply to you because you can make your own soap, but (laughs) as an example of something for me that is consumable, is something I will use. And it gives people, I like the bar of soap because people will buy fancy soap for a gift, but I would never buy myself fancy soap because. Totally. Right? (laughs) So I got fancy soap. Everyone felt like they were getting a good deal because they could buy something nice, but it wasn't very expensive as a gift, as far as a gift mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win. Consumables, uh, events, and and experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I said. Like if you if you want to get us something, buy us movie tickets, buy us some massage, right? Like things that won't accumulate, but that we would enjoy.
1: For sure. And I think it's all about boundaries, especially with family members and having them understand your why. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, Audrey would love 800 stuffed animals, but, you know, maybe let's stick to one and then do an experience which create memories, which are so much more lasting and valuable to us. And so
0: setting those boundaries with people and... And also... Making that expectation early on. Yes. So, you know, don't don't tell people on December 15th this information. Tell them at the beginning of November because they've already probably purchased half their presents by then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... I love consumable gifts. They're just so (laughs) lovely to receive. So I actually just had a birthday and... My mother-in-law really gets me in this sense. So she dropped off six bottles of wine that she had handpicked that she thought I would like. And I was like, oh, this is the best, right? Yes. See
0: that <laughs> And kind then of I, thing. Told,
1: I told my neighbor, I'm like, you get to benefit from this lovely gift from my mother-in-law because who better to drink wine with than someone you love and care about? Right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, or like gift certificates to restaurants and cafes. Those are things I will yes. use. Those are things that I will enjoy and will not end up piling up in my house and I love that.
1: Yeah, speaking of gifts and having them be really thoughtful and things that you know the other person will use. My husband got me for my birthday two bottles of, bottles of wine, so you can see the general, you know, theme here Great. in my life. To get you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and then also this really cute bike bell because I just got a new bike, particularly an e-bike, and Sorry. it's like the minivan of bicycles. It's a cargo <laughs> bike. Oh, and is it
0: one of those ones that can hold like 300 pounds on the back? Yes, wow. it's exactly what it's it like is. That it's built-in rack. Yeah, it's
1: a rad wagon.
0: Yeah, those and things. And so, if terrific. you don't know what a
1: rad wagon is, you should look it up because it is so cool, in <laughs> my opinion. In my humble opinion, biased opinion. I mean, it's an investment for sure, but. It's something that I think we'll get a lot of use out of because my daughter loves going for bike rides. She's in that in between age where she wouldn't be able to. First of all, she can't ride a bike. She can like semi ride a strider bike, but if we want to go longer distances, this is a great alternative. Mm -hmm. Plus we can go grocery shopping with it. It can hold a lot of cargo. And so I'm really excited to rip that around this summer. And I'll, on the days that I have to go into work, I'll take it to work and then pick her up from daycare on my way home because it's got this cute little seat on the back for her. And so yeah, he got me a bell for that bike. And I'm really excited to to get out there. And And with the cost of gas right now, it is definitely a good choice in our lives.
0: Yeah, for sure. I have a bike that keeps us from needing two cars yeah adam uses the car most of the time he needs it for work and i have a bike and anything that the bike can't handle if i don't have access to the car we've got we live downtown so we have access to car share which is,
1: oh nice which is that was gonna handy. be my next question do you bike in the winter time
0: i do my bike has studded tires i'm a little right more picky about when i go out because fresh snow is hard yeah uh no matter what, like I don't have a fat bike. I just have I have a uh, step through cruiser. <laughs> oh yeah, and Gabrielle, my bike is lovely and <laughs> and I love her and she takes me lots of places. but um, awesome. fresh snow is hard minus thirty is about my cutoff
1: that's a pretty cold cutoff, so yeah. I applaud you.
0: <laughs> so well, I've got layers I've got wow.
1: face protection face
0: mask. yeah, I look like. Darth Vader when I put
1: it on. Do Do you wear ski goggles?
0: I don't. I do take my glasses off because they just end up fogging up and I don't need them that badly to bike around. So so far, yeah. Minus 30 is about the time when my eyelashes just freeze. The- and
1: <laughs> You should wear ski goggles. Um, we should normalize wearing ski goggles outside when it's minus 30. <laughs> and be- I, um, I used to take public transit before the pandemic. And on those really, really cold days, I would be just I would be looking so ridiculous. And I didn't care because I was warm and happy. I'd be mm-hmm. wearing like huge boots, snow pants, jacket, scarf, hat, the whole and the face warmer, whatever, the whole nine yards. And all that was cold was my eyes because that little slit between yeah. your hat and your face warmer is cold. And I thought, man, I want to wear my ski goggles right now. And I feel like I would look like a complete fool. Part of me still kind of cares about that, but let's <laughs> normalize that. <laughs>
0: This is totally yeah, and not
1: eco-conscious I just don't have anymore. them.
0: Like if I yeah. had one, if I had them, I would. And I wouldn't care what I look like. I would I would be more concerned that I would lack peripheral vision. Peripheral. Yeah, never thought about that. Then that I would look foolish. That would be more of a concern for me. Yeah, minus 30. That's usually my cutoff.
1: Nice. Good for you.
0: I actually have to go and get my uh, tires changed to my summer tires pretty quick here. Yeah. Now that, now that I think, I think we're good. I think so.
1: God, it's May. <sighs> why is this a problem? It's May 1st. I feel like there's always the <laughs> snowfall before May long weekend. That's why they say don't plant your garden before May long weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, a little bit of snow is not, and if it's just wet, it's not the end of the world. That's I don't, true. I need the, I need the studs for like ice mostly. Yeah. I think you're good to go. I think I'm okay. So I should go get them switched over. I was going to ask you for an eco wind. Do you have something else other than your new bike?
1: One kind of eco win, I know I've talked so much about sewing. <laughs> I could talk about sewing forever, but it's important to me to mend things now because I have the sewing skill and um, my daughter can be hard on her pants and my husband uh, works in the trades. And so he's a carpenter and he's really hard on his work pants, mm-hmm. his car hurts. And so he was doing something around the house and I was like, oh my God, Mark, like you have a huge rip on the butt of your pants. Like you know that, right? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, did you go out in public like that today? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> like, like you can see his butt, and at certain angles you can even see the tops of his thighs from the back. Like this this rip was probably eight inches long, just like right down beside his butt crack. And so nice. he's like, Well, I asked you to mend them. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't realize it was that bad. So, anyways, I've been mending clothes. And so yesterday I mended these car hearts and I put a nice cute floral piece oh. of canvas on on Does the butt like of his pants yeah he 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 came home and it was a pretty good reaction so I mean if you want me to mend I'm happy to do so I just might add a little flourish to it while I'm at it
0: I love visible <laughs> mending love it so much yeah um, yeah I have mended the the cuffs on my husband's sweaters like three or four times now <laughs> <It's a> great <laughs> He great way he to loves extend that. the life right? he loves that sweater so much and he's like will you fix it again please <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah and like,
0: your sweater, you betcha.
1: My daughter's of an age where she's starting to put holes in the knees of her pants. And so patching them is, is a great way because the rest of the pant is fine. I've cut a bunch off into shorts, but there's only so many pairs of shorts that a kid needs. So mending is a great option. And I feel like that's a good win right now. What else would be a good win? Something that I enjoy, I really enjoy cooking. And so minimizing food waste in our household is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing this for years. So it's like a well-established habit at this point. Initially, it was a little bit hard to get into the groove of things, but um, meal planning for the week and then buying groceries specifically for those meals that I'm going to make, specifically supper. And then using what we have, so that I don't have an abundance of produce that's going bad in my fridge,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you know, at the end of a long day when you're tired and you've got a hungry kid and husband looking in the fridge and being like, "Okay, I've got this, this, and that. What kind of meal can I make with these ingredients?" I just do not have that type of creativity at the end of the day, mm. <laughs> or the the care to be creative in that sense. So um, that's really helped, and it's minimized how much food waste we have. And then the, the small amount of food waste we do have, we compost. And that's something I was super jazzed about is when we got our carts, um, the green bins in Edmonton and yes, I my was whole so cul-de-sac. Excited. <laughs> oh, I was so excited. And then I moved
0: and now I don't have it. <laughs> oh, that's really sad.
1: <laughs> but I was so jazzed about these green bins. My whole cul-de-sac got to hear about my excitement and <laughs> and they're, you know, they already think I'm strange probably, but yeah that that that's been a win for sure a win for the city of edmonton in my opinion
0: yeah for sure awesome well i'm sure we could talk about <laughs> we could talk all we day could talk forever. and we yeah. probably will talk again but wonderful um, <laughs> At this point, I'd like to thank you for coming on and telling us like what's going on in your life that's that's helping you with reducing waste and being more eco-friendly. I would love to see a picture of your new bike with your little bell.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And then maybe you can help me come up with a name for it cuz she she doesn't have a
0: name she yet. She doesn't have a name. Yeah, <laughs> all my sewing machines have names too. My main one is Stella. My new, my new to me old Singer is Jack and Jack Black. His name is Jack Black
1: <laughs> nice that's amazing um, yeah
0: everything's got to have a name yeah and especially then... when you spend so much time with them yeah and I have the doctor my surgery my surgery doesn't have a name yet no I, it's new to me. Again, nice. I had to. I had to replace my old one. It died, and I couldn't fix it. As they do, parts. And I'm sure you tried your darndest to fix it. Sure did. You can't get those. You can't get those parts anymore. It's too old. (laughs) Jeez,
1: that's where like a sewing machine graveyard would have been really helpful for you, like a Uh, car. That's.
0: It's usually well. I mean, as a sewing machine technician, I have access to a sewing machine graveyard. (laughs) What? And Amazing. it's usually that same part on this particular model that goes on all of them. And so oh. it's always the same broken part on all of them.
1: Darn it. Well, it was it, – you needed to have a new one then to you. It was meant to be.
0: Yeah. So I'm happy with my new one and it's doing a good job. And apparently I'm going to be making underwear with it soon, so. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, first I have to learn how to use mine and then I will be also making underwear. So. Nice. Stay tuned. It's a really riveting topic (laughs) to all of your (laughs) listeners. Rows and
0: underwear. This is the main topic of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners who tuned in today. Thank you to all our patrons who support Waste Free Edmonton in all of the background stuff that we do because we do a lot of stuff from the top down with laws and that sort of thing, and that all costs money, and we appreciate your support through Patreon and through wastefree.ca. Thank you to Change Toothpaste who support the expenses of the podcast because it's not free to do, and we're all volunteers here. If you want to get in touch with Becoming Less, you can reach us at at becominglesspod at gmail.com if you want to be on the show if you know somebody who would be a good business to be on the show if you have an idea for a topic that would be all appreciated give us an email we'd love to hear from you you can find us on instagram at becoming less pod as well or you can go to wastefree.ca becoming less pod for all the ways to connect and listen until next time we can all be a little less than we were yesterday podcasts uh, at, yeah. There's so many things I have to say at the end. <laughs>